You're listening to Deal Talk with 7MA, providing invaluable insight into investment banking and the M&A space through honest conversations with industry thought leaders, business pioneers, and innovators. We'll pull back the curtain and give you the inside scoop on trends in our targeted industries and provide you the tools to better position your company in today's market. We are back with another episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. Today, we are talking about the importance of getting your accounting principles lined up prior to entering a sell-side process. Um, so we are joined by Templeton, an accounting firm based in Florida that we've worked with many times, and our own Mark Landry, who will be leading the conversation. Um, very interested to have Mark lead this conversation because obviously he has run into these accounting issues on the advisor side, but also on the business owner and operator side. So I think he'll be able to give really good insight to owners who know that they're about to be facing this themselves and kind of talk them through what this process is going to look like and what the importance of it is, what how it's going to pay off on the back end. So Mark, I'll go ahead and pass it over to you and let you introduce your guest um, and we'll go ahead and start the conversation. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm pleased to be here. I'm going to first just turn it over. Pat, perhaps you could introduce yourself and I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background and uh, that of Templeton and the types of services and experiences you bring to this discussion. Hey, Mark. Well, it's, it's great to be with you this morning and in a different capacity than I, I in many different capacities we, than we've had in the, the past. Yeah. So this yeah. is a new one. But my, my background is kind of a little bit unique. So I'm inside of a public accounting firm doing um, consulting work for Lots of different companies that are oftentimes going through transactional um, experiences, as we're talking about this morning. Um, but I come to it from a many, many years in the corporate world where I did it from the internal side of things as a CFO of different companies. So, it, you know, I've been able to see both sides of the equation in terms of uh, taking a, a deal through the process and and integrating it in inside of companies and now inside of, of Templeton. So we're a full-service accounting uh, firm where we do uh, audits, tax, and diligence work for a lot of great companies and take them through that process. So real excited to be here this morning. Well, that's terrific. We're glad you joined us. You know, Pat, this is a this is an area that many people will initially look at and with trepidation. So I thought, you know, during our dialogue, if there's four points I'd like to tease out, I think they would be first, you know, what is the role and value of being prepared with planning and preparation in advance of a transaction? Yeah, Mark, that's so important about just being prepared. We, we as, as you and I both experience, I'm sure, we have some that come to us and say, okay, they, the light bulb went on yesterday and they want to do a transaction, they want to do it now. Yeah. And then there are those that are um, mindful that, you know, something's going to happen and maybe it's not tomorrow, but it'll be happening in the next um, six to 18 months. And those are the ones we really love to deal with even more so because it gives them an opportunity to really get their their world in order from a lot of different levels. And we can particularly help on the accounting side of things of getting their numbers um, organized to kind of really help tell their story in the best way possible. Yeah. And uh, what I find, Pat, and I'd be interested in your experience is even though, I mean, you could have a business that is uh, well-controlled and uh, the financial reporting is all good, but oftentimes it's it's kind of purpose-built. So I'm an S-Corp, I'm doing my books on a cash basis, but in large measure, when you go into a transaction, there's a there's a need to, to really have it on an accrual basis, and this takes time. It's not, 
you know, it's not it's not rocket science. But, um, you know, tell us about your experience there and the kind of time it requires and the importance of perhaps, of course, this can all be done during a transaction, but there's so much going on in a transaction. You know, you're still trying to run your business. You're running meetings with potential partners. Uh, and the last thing you want to be doing, however it's possible, is to be you know, converting your books from cash to a curl. Have you had any experience there? Yeah, we, we see that over and over and over again, because as a practical matter, as an owner, operator, entrepreneur, the day in and day out ebbs and flows of an owner's life is driven by and large by cash. So the and tax returns generally are done cash basis. So you, you find yourself in a scenario where, you know, you really haven't had a desire or a need as an owner to um, worry about those accrual basis numbers. So yes, we come in over and over again and are asked to do that conversion process. And it seems like it could be very simple at first blush, but not only is it the cash to accrual, but then you can get into all sorts of complexities with even a, a you know a US gap, you know, that the term that probably most if they can stay away from it, they would like to do that because it gets complicated fast. But it just takes a lot of time and energy, and but uh, it, the, but the process has to be done because I don't think that I can think of one scenario where a buyer is interested in looking at cash basis numbers only. You know, they want that conversion, so you, you've got to go through it, and it, it takes time. Yeah, you know the old adage, "cash is king," but you know, cash doesn't always tell the story the same way. It's uh, I always find it interesting when you look at the flow of your business month to month, quarter to quarter on a cash basis. And then when you look at accrual basis, which, you know, better aligns, if you will, the expenses and revenues and the other kind of principles, it really tells a different story about a business. And, you know, we oftentimes as, as operators of a business, we're so used to gearing ourselves to how we express our business to a client. And that's quite different, however, the same data, but how you then express it to a potential partner or investor is oftentimes greatly enhanced by the expression of it through an accrual-based accounting. Yeah, I, I think that's that's an excellent point, and and on multiple levels. One of which is, you know, the first of all, um, what I see time and time again is that again, if you're in a cash basis world, your month to month to month financials can be very erratic, yes. and that can be very off-putting to a buyer. You know, one of the things that they really want to do is to have some confidence that there's some stability in the overall performance. And when you have your numbers bouncing around, it just doesn't create that level of confidence and stability in terms of what they can expect going forwards. And, and many times it's just a matter of whether your accountant, you know, your controller inside the company has been doing a good job in terms of just having crisp closes and those kinds of things. But then also there can be revenue recognition issues, things that you get maybe cash from your customer that really isn't revenue. And when you start going back based upon the rules that we have to comply with, and when you start moving those numbers to reflect, you can tell a wholly different story. And it can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, you know, candidly in some situations. Um, and we've seen both happen that way. And, and either way, good or bad, the earlier you know, it gives you an opportunity to either remedy uh, because these things can be corrected through, you know, changing your business flow. Or it can give you time to give, you know, the appropriate response. The worst thing is in a transaction, in my view, is to unearth something and you find yourself, it looks like you're 
you're making excuses or post-rationalizing. Oh, and in man, fact, absolutely. Um, yeah. it's quite easy to explain how these, these kind of timing differences or whatever they might be are either part of the business, but they're not indicative of the underlying value. So it, it all comes down to, I think, you know, forewarned is, is, is forearmed. But you brought up a point that I'd like to jump into, and that is there's nothing worse in a transaction than surprises or uh, lack of clarity that comes out of all of a sudden you're, you know, you're professionalizing your accounting recording and, and you're in the transaction and now all of a sudden you're learning at the same time as the potential investor. And the one area that, get, that I, I, I run into a lot uh, but I'm sure there's other, is this whole area of revenue recognition. And what I'd like to do is encapsulate the point under, you know, oftentimes your CFO, who may be terrific, is, you know, working 10 to 12 hours a day trying to keep up. Mm-hmm. And the, the I, I think the role of having independent people come in, whether it's an auditor or whether it's just a service within an auditing company, to have a look is vitally important. Have, have you been, do you often get called in to look at uh, businesses that way? All the time. So one of the things, you know, the, the, I, I would say that the truly thoughtful, you know, intentional uh, seller is, again, calling us well in advance and recognizing, again, that, that uh, controller CFO that they've had on a day in and day out basis, even their accounting firm that they've had, yeah. That's maybe doing their tax returns for a long time were great for the purpose, you know, that they were brought in to do. And they've been doing a fabulous job in that regard. But they just don't have the background and the skill set to be able to help dial it to kind of the level of which you need to be able to do a, a transaction and get prepared. So I, I kind of liken it to when you have a, you know, you ask, you don't ask a plumber to do an electrician's job. I think that's the same scenario you know, yeah. that we find ourselves in when people give us a call. So it happens all the time. And we do all kinds of things like even stepping in well in advance of a transaction to help, you know, get the management reporting in place, maybe even to do some forecasts so somebody can start thinking about how do they want to even think about their business, you know, at a, for a multi-year period that maybe they haven't done before. And in some cases, even to act as an interim CFO, you know, where there's a need to make sure that they're shoring up that position because maybe they've even haven't had really a CFO level person inside, but somebody that's that's been good at doing the the debits and credits, if you will. But all of those things are opportunities to be able to again enhance the preparedness for the transaction to level to dial up the credibility uh, in the deal. I mean, that's really what you're seeking is confidence, credibility that you're being able to to uh, convey over to a t- to potential buyer. Yeah, and I think Pat, you bring up a, a number of points there. The the one that I, I would like to come on to is the uh, the adage of the plumber and the electrician. You know, even if, say, for instance, your you know your books are on a cruel basis, that the um, you know the the the, the respective uh, standards are being adhered to and revenue recognition and the many many areas. I would say that the lens or the prism that that's being looked at is through the eyes of a, a financial audit, you know, and what I'd like to talk to you about is, you know, there are folks out there like Templeton who are, are steep deeply uh, in, in transactions and that prism looking at the same numbers 
and looking at the business is very different, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. And, you know, what, again, the things that work well day in, day out to running a business are great, but they need to be coupled with an ability to understand what a buyer is potentially looking for in a transaction. So you can actually find through a discussion with with us an opportunity for where your weak points might be so that you can anticipate those things and actually be in a position to react to it. You know, things that could be that you may not traditionally take a look at would be, you know, trends of your P&L over a period of time. So what what does that tell? What are those what are the numbers telling in terms of a story about what a buyer might be able to expect going forward? Uh, customer levels and customer concentrations. You may not look at it in the way that a buyer likely or not, the way that a buyer is going to really digest that in, in terms of even customer profitability. All those things, the buyer is going to look at it through their lens again in terms of, so what is this revenue stream I'm going to be able to have going forward and can I count on it? And so they're going to be poking at a lot of those kinds of things. And we can help to identify where there may be some points that need to get refined in terms of the conversation that they may want to have and some areas that, that you potentially, that a, buy, a seller potentially may not have thought of. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I find the most, in the most successful transactions, those that I have handled on my own with my own companies or those that I now see in the advisory capacity, it is, it is starkly different when... When you, when you see a management group go through and they actually exhibit their management reporting and what they measure is what they get. I mean, the old adage, what gets measured gets improved. Yeah. And it is, it is really value creating when you can see that, you know, the, the, the P&L or the balance sheet is reflecting very good performance. But then you show, well, how did you get that good performance? And you show that your management reporting if you're in a business services business, you have brilliant utilization reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have operational improvement programs always driving that continuous increase in gross margin. Or as you said, you know, you have some businesses are endemic to those businesses is that you have a few large customers, but you're able to demonstrate that you are strategically embedding yourself with those customers. You're developing diversification. And you have these programs that aren't just fashioned at the time of the transaction, but have been built on. That's how you have continually delivered good results. I think that's critical. Yeah, I think that's a fabulous point. And and again, a lot of different ways that manifests itself. It can be even as you're starting to, as we're starting to dive in and take a look at how the the core of the business is performing and looking at customer um, trends and so forth. There can be things where, you, as you described, Mark, you know, the, the elements of, you know, we're really leveraging our relationship with this particular customer in this way. And look what's happening with our margins and with our overall profitability as a result of that. But there also might be things that a seller may not have thought of. Maybe there's some areas where you've chosen to walk away from, you know, a particular customer, you know, that wasn't a particularly profitable area. And that might be a carve out that you can also do yeah. in terms of explaining, you know, right. why would your business be worth more? Well, I just got rid of this unprofitable piece of business and I've re- right-sized my business. And the only way that you can really dive in and to create some credibility around that conversation is having done the work. And that takes some time and it takes something, again, that preparedness that, that has to happen months in advance, not 10 minutes before the deal. Yeah. And the, the other thing I like to talk about is 
there's always this kind of tension uh, where, you know, the folks trying to now transact, either take on a partner, bring on debt to, to support some forward-looking growth, or just simply sell the business, they still got a business to run. And the worst thing that can happen, of course, is in the middle of a transaction, because you're focused and your team is focused on the transaction, your business starts to fail a bit. And and the way we guide this ourselves as Seven Mile is we do a lot of the heavy lifting, developing marketing materials. And also we really encourage the management teams to take on folks like Templeton or the like who can take a lot of the load off the operating management in preparing all the critical data. And have you been brought in just for transaction support, just to be able to allow management to to focus on the business and you help pull together all the necessary data? Absolutely. And a number of times in that regard. So the, you know, situation that we had one scenario where as it turns out, it was only about three or four months in advance of the transaction. We were asked to come in and really get the the CEO owner knew he was selling the business and but knew he didn't have the management reporting that he needed. So we were brought in to actually help to create that environment. Really, at the time, you know, he was the the owner was very frustrated with the the CFO. Understood that, you know, candidly, the CFO was probably not really somebody that was going to be in the chair post transaction in any scenario. Yeah. But we were there to be able to help to create again that that portfolio of management reports and clean up some of the messiness in terms of the cash and accrual nonsense that had uh, plagued them for some time. And literally a couple of months later, a couple of days before, as, as it turns out, a deal launched. You know, the, the owner came to me and said, well, could, I want to fire my CFO. Uh, <laughs> can you do that? Can you step in? I said, well, of course we can do that, but I wouldn't recommend it. No. You know, there's, we, we try to be very thoughtful with our clients and make sure we can help you. But I think in terms of some of that knowledge and so forth that you need to help to get through a transaction, you still need the person that's been in the chair for a while. And that really goes to a make sure you're evaluating your team well in advance also of whenever you think you're going to do a transaction, because ultimately the, the buyer's looking at that component too. Who's who's in your uh, management organization? Who can they count on? And is that CFO really going to lend a, a good hand for you in terms of being able to Again, bring that confidence level. We can help to augment it, and we have many a time, but uh, but there's a, a number of things that you can do incrementally above and beyond that. Well, you know, oftentimes the corporate memory, particularly in these areas, is, is vested in, in the CFO. And and I think a lot of times um, we forget that just say, uh, you know, a normalized transaction, a private equity firm comes in and they're going to take a majority stake, but they don't put all their money in. Um, they they have rollover money from the uh, from the seller, but also they rely heavily on some debt leverage. And so they have masters they have to please. So the debt guys have a very different prism on a, on a transaction. And they're very much looking at the numbers even differently than the investor, you know, because their return is the coupon on their on their debt, whereas the investor's return potentially is geared towards future growth, et cetera. And you cannot replace, you know, that historical knowledge uh, that the CFO has. So uh, I couldn't agree more. If if you're looking at this in advance, you got to really make sure that that CFO 
Because oftentimes, and, and there's not a criticism, your CFO is that person who was with you all along and knows so much about the business, but at the end of the day, perhaps can't represent you appropriately at a level where now this more the professionals come in. So uh, I think you're absolutely right. A, a key uh, evaluation of your CFO early is, is extremely important. And what we've done on occasion, Mark, excuse me, is is actually come in when they know that they can't get rid of the person that's their lead finance person, but we'll come in and augment that and play that CFO role, even through the selection of a potential banker, you know, help with a transaction, even to be the CFO that's sitting at the table as you're going through the beauty, you know, the beauty pageant and all the way through the transaction just to help augment if there's a need of, of that sort. And that's the kind of we love being able to help our clients through, you know, guiding them and helping them along with their banker like Seven Mile to really get to the best result that they possibly can. And it, it it's it's a it's a big effort and it shouldn't be certainly underthought going into it. Yeah. And, and you know, the the important part here, Pat, and I I think we've kind of covered it in general, but I, I think I'd like to sum it up kind of the following way that, of course, it's always best to do it before. Um, but if somebody wants to transact, these things can be done during the transaction, of course. But you do open yourself up to a bit more risk. But many companies are so well managed that uh, they, they can they can overcome that. But I think my takeaway from this, Pat, would be the following, that start early if you can, because, you know, being prepared allows you to, it gives you optionality. It just it, it highlights areas where there is potential concern or you would want to build the case um, more vividly. I, I think the next part for me would be make sure that not only your accounting records are according to, you know, GAAP, et cetera, but make sure that there's a mirror image of that in your management reporting. Show that your results are a function of a, a clarity of management, that you know where your value drivers are, you've got a handle on them. I, th- I think the next part I would like to to really highlight is that as good as you think you are with your numbers and your accounting firm and your CFO, if if possible, have another prism on it. You know, whether it's the in, in Seven Mile does that as a service, but also, you know, to have somebody like a Templeton come in and to look at it with a very objective view and maybe even to the point pat and maybe you could touch on this there's something called a q of e or a quality of earnings where it's it's a it's you know it's kind of a jump ball whether the buyer should do it or the seller but if the buyer does it in advance he oftentimes that he or she oftentimes can take a position of strength don't you think i i think that's a great point and i think we're seeing that more and more that the sellers are engaging us to do those things. Again, it's an opportunity for them to experience what it will be like, you know, on the other side, you know, maybe there will be a lessened or a lesser QOE that uh, gets exercised by the the buyer. There'll still be diligence and so forth, but it certainly helps to be do a preemptive strike in terms of doing that quality of earnings and getting those potential surprises to be not surprises in advance of the of a transaction and getting that that fresh set of eyes again the CPA that you've used forever and ever may be great for what they're doing but I go again I my real simple thing as we've talked about before is the plumber and the electrician you don't use the electrician to do the plumber's job 
So we love bringing our expertise to bear on these situations. And, and I think finally, Pat, um, because I know uh, we've given a lot of people a lot to think about and I don't want to uh, over overload them. I would say the following. I would say, let the numbers speak for themselves. And the more you're talking about the value drivers in your business today and going forward, the more opportunity you have to enhance value. So if, if at all possible, when you're prepared and the numbers just speak for themselves, your reporting structure is supportive and there's no dialogue around recognition of sales and cash or accruals, it gives you all the available airtime to talk about the real thing. And that is the core of the business, the value it has today and the value it can have tomorrow with the right partner. Absolutely. I think the best answer that can happen is that you spend no time after you create all this financial information and nobody's looking at the pages. You know, you're you're able because everybody, the, the buyer is, you know, comfortable that they that you are on top of your numbers, that everything is looking good. So you don't have to dive in and what's this number and what's that number. You can have that conversation about what the value drivers are in the business. And it's a it's a very, very different and a value-added um, shift that can be had when you get to that level of uh, expertise and competence in, in what your deal structure is uh, framed in as. Couldn't agree more. Well, Pat, this has been a pleasure. I really uh, I really thank you a lot for, for joining us. You brought a lot to the party. Let's do it again. We'll find another topic, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, spend some time together. How's that? Well, Mark, I, we always enjoy at Templeton doing business and, and doing deals with uh, Seven Mile Advisors. So we love to be able to recommend and and, uh, and and work with you on an ongoing basis to, again, help to bring our accounting expertise to bear on such an important transaction and period for the sellers to get the best value possible. So that's, that's your goal and that's our goal as well for our clients. That's awesome. Thanks, Pat. You have a great day now. Okay, you too. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. You'll find more information and resources based on today's discussion exclusively on our website. If you're looking to dive deeper into today's topics, head to 7mileadvisors.com to speak to one of our bankers today. That's the number 7, M-I-L-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. 7M Securities does not make any investment recommendation for any company or security that was discussed, nor does the firm offer any tax advice. Consult your tax advisor for any tax matter that might apply to you or your business. 